Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. To the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We are underway now at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 14th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2021. Coming up on the program, more indoctrination and sexual exploitation in some ways in our local schools. We're going to shine a spotlight on one local school district and one local high school that is teaching kids, well, let's just say things that kids at that age are not supposed to be taught. Encouraged to drink, Encouraged to uh, write and fantasize and literally write to turn in for grades, uh, sexual fantasies. Um, it's called by the mayor of this particular town child pornography. And a threat was made to the school board of this district that I'm speaking of um, just last night by the mayor of that town. The threat was resign or be charged with promoting pornography to children. It is an unbelievable story, and I'm going to tell you what school district it is a little bit later on. But at 935, we're going to have a parent, one parent of one student who is in the class at issue here in a Northeast Ohio school district uh, that helped uh, blow the, the whistle on this and shine a spotlight on it. Today we'll shine a much brighter spotlight on it by bringing her on live. So that's coming up at 9.35. Then at 10.10, uh, he always shines brightly, of course, Peter Kersenow. It's Tuesday, so it's Kersenow Day, and Peter Kersenow is going to have thoughts on yesterday's Tony Blinken press conference about Afghanistan, in which they used, uh, not press conference, beg your pardon, his testimony before a House committee, um, and... Uh, in which he fully blamed Donald Trump and the Trump administration for the disastrous Afghan withdrawal uh, that was presided over by the Biden administration and the woke military and the incompetent military. So, well, he's going to talk about that, but he's also going to talk. Look, there's nobody better. I've had, you have no idea how many people have asked me 
privately, by text, on social media. Bob, does the Biden vaccine mandate for every uh, employer with 100 or more more employees that they all mandate the vaccine for their their workers or their workers lose their job and the, the employers get fined? Does this have any teeth? Can they actually do this? Bob, what is our legal recourse? And I always say the same thing. It's going to end up before a judge or a whole bunch of judges, quite frankly, because there are lawsuits being filed in virtually every state. They're being filed by the states, the state governors in some circumstances, and they're being filed by the employers and individuals in other circumstances. So we're going to find out whether or not, from a labor standpoint, workers can be forced to take a medicine that they do not want. If you can call the uh, uh, RNA vaccines that are being pushed by the Biden administration medicine at all. And so what I what I kind of always say is that is a labor question. That is a that is an employee employer uh, relation question. And I don't know the answer, but you know who would? And the answer is Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow is a labor law specialist. He is a partner in a Cleveland law firm, and his specialty is labor law. If anybody will be able to figure out whether or not employers can mandate that you take uh, you know, uh, a toxin into your body against your will in order to keep your livelihood and keep your job, he would know the answer. And taking that to the next level, If anybody would know whether or not the government can coerce the employer into mandating that the employee take a toxin into their body, which may or may not be healthy for them and may or may not be against their will, Peter Kersenow would know that too. So we're going to hit all of that with Kersenow. So we're going to go local school district at 935, uh, which is just off the rails, and we're going to talk to Peter Kersenow at 1010 this morning. Before those interviews, between those interviews, after those interviews, will be your phone calls, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Now, before we get started, what do you say uh, we honor our country? If you have a flag nearby, please stand and face it. If you don't, just please stand and put your hand over your heart and join us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Liberals, Democrats, Biden voters, Taliban supporters, uh, Gavin Newsom supporters, go ahead and take your knee. We know how you feel about this country. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So do you remember when Joe Biden, the installed hand puppet as President of the United States, swore he would never require by mandate that every American or that most Americans get a vaccination against their will. Do you remember this? We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. Needless to say, the right of women to make decisions about their own bodies is not negotiable. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. Our interest is very simple. This is obviously the Biden administration, not just Joe Biden. Here's Saki. From the federal government, which is Americans' privacy and rights should be protected. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of 
unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? Well, I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. First, we must increase vaccinations among the unvaccinated with new vaccination requirements. So there it is on full display. The Biden administration and prominent legislators like Nancy Pelosi, uh, the Vice President Kamala Harris, you heard who else in there? Jen Psaki, the President's mouthpiece. You know, all of these uh, people, including Joe Biden himself, saying that we will never require or mandate vaccinations. It's a personal, private choice that everybody has to make for themselves. And then, of course, at the end of last week on Thursday, we heard they had the announcement from Joe Biden. Our patience is wearing thin. Now, anybody who works for a company that has 100 employees or more must be vaccinated. That uh, figures out to around one third of the U.S. population, over 100 million people. And upon what are they basing that decision? Well, let's ask Kamala rhymes with communist Harris. I always like to point that out because a lot of people mispronounce her name and say Kamala. Kamala rhymes with capitalist. Kamala rhymes with communist. So make sure you know the difference. Kamala Harris tweeted yesterday. How about that? Kamala Harris tweeted, by vaccinating the unvaccinated, increasing our testing and masking, and protecting the vaccinated, We can end this pandemic. That's exactly what we are committed to doing. Now, I'll just kind of let slide the notion that we can, quote unquote, defeat or end this pandemic. That's what Joe Biden said. That's what Joe Biden said back when he was running for president. I'll beat this pandemic back. I know how to do it. Donald Trump doesn't know how to do it. He has no plan to do it. I have a plan to do it. I know how to do it. Uh, His top Medical advisors are acknowledging that it's really not able to be done. It's going to be endemic. It's going to be just a part of our lives because of the nature of its variations and its spread. Dr. Robert Redfield, the last director of the CDC under Donald Trump, said it. And now Biden's top medical advisors are saying it. But Kamala Harris says, no, we can end this pandemic. And the way we're going to do it is by vaccinating the unvaccinated, thus protecting the vaccinated. Now, I want you to ponder what I just said. No, ponder what she said via tweet. We're going to vaccinate the unvaccinated to protect the vaccinated. So in other words, you're vaccinated to protect yourself, right? That's why you got vaccinated. But your vaccine isn't protecting you. So the guy next to you who's unvaccinated needs to get vaccinated. So his vaccination will protect you. You see how that works? I love that. I simply love how they make that that circular logic. If your vaccine didn't protect you from getting covid how can me getting the vaccine protect you from protect me from getting covid or protect you from getting covid i thought the vaccine was supposed to be the protection if the vaccine works then why do you need me to get it if you got it and it works then you don't need me to get it leave me alone Let me make up my own mind. 
And that's essentially what Kamala Harris does not, and Joe Biden and and Anthony Fauci and the rest of them completely either don't understand or refuse to acknowledge. They're saying that the vaccine doesn't work. If the vaccine is not protecting the person who took the vaccine, then what is it even for? Why are we being pushed into this? What is that? I mean, I'm, I'm literally asking you, if you can explain this to me in a way that I can understand and get it through my thick skull, I would be most appreciative. But isn't the vaccine supposed to protect the person who actually took it? And if it really does protect the person who actually took it, why would that person need somebody else who hasn't taken it to take it? It simply makes no sense. Now, let's move on to why they're pushing this so hard. It has been largely decided in the scientific community that the most important number to focus on when they determine the spread and the severity of the the pandemic and where it's trending isn't with deaths anymore, and it isn't even with cases. It's been decided largely in the scientific and medical community that the most important number is the number of hospitalizations, because if you recall... What they said that the vaccine was supposed to do is not stop you from becoming infected, which clearly it isn't. They call them breakthrough cases, but they're happening by the thousands. They're not breakthrough. People with vaccines are just as likely to get infected as people who are not vaccinated. But they focus then on hospitalizations because what the vaccine does do, they tell us, is that it lessens the symptoms. It makes it so that you get like a cold if you become infected and you don't get seriously ill and need to be hospitalized, much less put in an ICU and much less intubated, put on a ventilator. That's what the vaccine's greatness is, they say, prevents hospitalization. So let's take a look at the hospitalization numbers, they say. Look at that. They're through the roof. And so therefore, since the vaccine, I hope you're following this, since the vaccine Um, lessens the symptoms of people who are vaccinated and thus makes them not have to be hospitalized if they are infected, then all of those hospitalized people must be the unvaccinated. That's why Biden and Fauci and the rest of the propagandists and the fear pornographers at WKYC Channel 3 and others have called this the pandemic of the unvaccinated because the vaccinated aren't getting this, you know, aren't affected by this pandemic. The hospitalization rate shows that. Well, that's what they want you to think. And I would like to point out to you that it was a left-wing magazine, news magazine, called The Atlantic, that is actually blowing the roof off of that lie. The Atlantic published yesterday the reality that a new study shows that half Almost half, 48% of the people hospitalized with COVID-19 don't have to be in the hospital. They have mild or no symptoms. Mild symptoms, no symptoms. Positive test, throw them in a hospital bed. Why? Why would they do that? so that they can continue the campaign of fear and propaganda, telling you that, oh, my God, our hospitals are being overrun. Again, 
Hospital hospitals are this is as bad as it was during the height of the pandemic in twenty twenty. Our hospitals are being overrun. We can't keep up because there's no beds available. And our and our, our medical staffs are overworked and overwhelmed. We can't do it any longer. Everybody, you've gotta be you've gotta be vaccinated because all of these unvaccinated people are filling the hospitals. Except for the fact that they don't need to be there. Their cases are mild. Their cases are asymptomatic. There's nothing wrong with these people, and yet they're being thrown into hospital beds so that the number of hospitalizations can rise and they can continue to sell the fear. And what is the product that they're selling along with the fear? It's the vaccine. The vaccine that made Pfizer Incorporated 35 billion dollars in quarter two alone let me hit you with that number again in one quarter 35 billion dollars that's what they are making from the sale of the vaccine to the government for free distribution to the people now i'm going to go ahead and try to do this math here 35 times 4 is is 140 so if they made $35 billion in one quarter, that's going to be $140 billion in a year that Pfizer will make off the sale of the vaccine. Do I need to remind you that the former head of the FDA, which just gave approval Approval to the Pfizer vaccine, the gold standard, approval of, by the FDA. The former head of that FDA is now a board member and a stock owner in Pfizer, Inc. You tell me why they're trying to jam those needles into your arm. You tell me why they're throwing anybody who's got a sniffle into a hospital bed and saying COVID hospitalization. You tell me if we're not being victimized by one of the worst cases of fraud on behalf of the federal government in American history. And I think we have our answer. It's 924. I'll be right back. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, it's 927. I want to I give you something specific on what I just told you because I want you to know it and I want you to share the information with people who don't listen to this radio show or who can't listen to this radio show. I want you to educate them because we are being miseducated. We are being uninformed. We're being misinformed, rather, uh, by the, the propaganda campaign of the government and the mainstream media. I am stunned, absolutely stunned, that The Atlantic actually did this story. But I'm very glad that they have. And it kind of shows you where how desperate they really are right now when even the leftist um, publications like this um, turn on them, if you will. So this study was done in August, so it's very current. It was just in this pa- within the past month, in August. Researchers from Harvard, Tufts Medical Center, and the Veterans Affairs Healthcare System did this study. The studies that they did... Uh, were to determine what kind of symptoms the hospitalized COVID-infected patients had and have. And this is what they found, that from March of 2020, so last year, 
through early January of 2021, this year, before vaccinations became widely available and before the Delta variant, the proportion of patients with mild or no symptoms at all, asymptomatic disease, was 36%. Now think about that. 36% of the people hospitalized had either mild symptoms or no symptoms. Why are they in the hospital? That's ridiculous. That's more than a third. But from mid-January of this year until the end of June, this summer, that number rose to 48%. In other words, the study says that half of all hospitalized patients showing up on the COVID data dashboards this year have been admitted for another reason entirely or had only a mild presentation of disease. You understand that? There are people who went into the hospital for other reasons, then were detected with COVID and said, oh, that's a COVID hospitalization. They did the same thing with deaths. Last year, you recall over and over again, example after example after example of people dying of heart failure, dying of you know cancer, dying of whatever their other diseases were. I mean, there were people who were in hospice care. That means they are literally preparing for the end of their lives, being kept comfortable. Then they're diagnosed with COVID, and then they die, which they were going to do anyway, and they were like, check mark, COVID death. The increase was even bigger for vaccinated hospital patients this year. 57% of the patients who were admitted to the hospital with COVID were vaccinated and had mild or asymptomatic disease. Unvaccinated patients have been showing up with less severe symptoms as well. On average, than earlier in the pandemic, the study found that 45% of their cases were mild or asymptomatic. Again! indicating they didn't need to be hospitalized. But they're being hospitalized all over the country anyway. Why? So that they can claim, look at the overwhelming of the hospital and healthcare system. All of these unvaccinated people are filling the beds and overworking the system. We have to go back to new mitigation standard or me- uh, methods again. We have to go back to masking. We have to go back to limited distancing. We have to go back or actually expand upon vaccinations. We are being pallayed, my friends. And if you don't understand that, you just don't want to. All right, it's 930. We're going to take a break from this. We're going to come back and do what I told you we were going to do in the opening uh, segment of the show. We're going to talk about a local school district that is promoting, to some extent, pornography and other inappropriate behaviors in their students with assignments that have the mayor of the town in which this district resides threatening to have the school board members charged with promotion of child pornography if they don't resign. It's an amazing story. I'm going to tell you who it is, and we're going to talk to a parent in that school district coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it is indeed 936. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. So tell me how you would feel as a mom or as a dad 
If your child came home with a writing assignment, and the writing assignment for their English class, for their high school English class, uh, was to, quote, write a sex scene you wouldn't show your mom, or rewrite the sex scene from above into one that you would let your mom read. How about if your child came home with an order from their English teacher to um, write an X-rated Disney scenario? How about write about a room full of people who want to sleep together? How about an assignment to write about the first time you had sex? How about drink a beer, write about the taste? Write about ten euphemisms for sex. Describe your favorite part of a man's body using only verbs. Now think about, by the way, if your child was a boy and was told to do that one. All of these are examples of writing prompts in an English classroom in a Northeast Ohio school district, the Northeast Ohio High School, that led to an explosive uh, school board meeting last night. And joining me to talk about this is the parent, the mother, of a 17-year-old child in that English class at Hudson High School. Monica Havens joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Monica, thank you so much for coming on this morning. How are you? I'm great, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well. I just I want to know if you were as shocked as I guarantee you all of the people listening right now who didn't know about this as they were when you saw those writing prompts for the first time. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I I actually kind of had an out of body experience thinking there is no way, there's no way this is real. And and really, as it, as the information started to circulate and get out that is the response that we were getting from people like there has to be more to this story that, you know, I want, I want the rest of the facts. There's no way that this is real. And got to be a misunderstanding, real. right? It's got to be a misunderstanding. Yes. That's that, that certainly yeah. can be the case. Um, give me the details. First of all, how did you become aware of this? And then how was it presented to you, Monica? Uh, so my daughter's in a college credit plus class at Hudson High School, which is actually a class where she receives credit from Hiram College. The class is taught by a Hudson High School teacher who, from what I've read, has to go through some professional development to be able to teach the class. Um, the syllabus has her name on it, um, a long syllabus. Um, so I... Um, actually got a screenshot of one of the prompts from a girlfriend and she said, are you aware that this is happening? And I said, I don't, what are you talking about? And then it just so happened that my 17 year old was sitting on the couch across from me in my office. And I asked her, do you have this teacher? And she said, yes. And I said, do you have this book? And she said, yes. And I said, are there inappropriate things in this book? And she looked at me kind of sheepishly, and she said, yes. And then I responded, and her dad was standing right next to me, honey, these are things you have to tell us. Why would you not tell us about this? And her response was, mom, the teacher already doesn't like me because she knows I'm not a liberal. So she was very, she was afraid to tell us about them because she didn't want to suffer consequences or bullying from the teacher. So from there, I went through the book and read every single uh, prompt and compiled that list that you read off of um, and distributed that to some of my uh, 
friends that um, I thought would want to know that. And then we did, several people did uh, email and call the Board of Education and the superintendent over the weekend. Um, there was no response from anybody in the Board of Education. Uh, we did get a canned response from the superintendent. Um, and then all of the parents that have children in that class received an email from the principal of the high school yesterday um, basically apologizing for their gross oversight um, and letting us know that they were going to be collecting the book in the classroom. Um, then the board meeting happened last night, and let's that's hold off, when let's it hold all off kind on of the yeah. Let's hold off on the board meeting for just a moment. So, um, the principal's letter to parents—it was just to the parents of the kids in that class, or was it to all parents? It was just to the parents of the kids in the class, which is also interesting because whenever anything like this has happened in the Hudson City School District, um, the, there is a mass voicemail that goes out to everybody in the district. I mean, when when we've had questionable racism incidents happen, anything like that, we we almost immediately get a mass voicemail to the district and informing them that there are you know, there were some questionable things that have gone on and that they're doing everything to investigate and so on. And that did not happen um, yesterday. It was a, an email sent only to the parents of the students that are in this class. Okay. And did the principal make it out to appear as though this is a new revelation, it's a new book, we, we didn't know about this? Um, and and it, it did, did he try to minimize that? Because the reason I'm asking this is you already know, because you and I have talked, is this isn't a new book. Did he make it sound as though this is a new occurrence and not something that has been in the hands of Hudson students for the last six years? Uh, that was uh, basically crickets. He did not. He just said it was brought to our attention uh, that our students received a book with questionable material in it there's no mention of the fact that the students have been receiving this book for to, to the best of my knowledge as part of their curriculum for the last six years so that's an important part of the story uh, because this isn't just like a new teacher who came in with new curriculum new book new prompts and nobody knew what was going on Are, to, to your understanding we're talking with Monica Havens by the way if you just turned your radio on Monica's a parent a concerned parent among many in Hudson uh, whose students at Hudson High School have been exposed to a wide array of extraordinarily inappropriate writing prompts in an English class that apparently have been going on for six years now. Is it your understanding that there's supposed to be oversight of textbooks used, of lesson plans uh, made, of um, you know curricula that the, that the students are going to be exposed to by administrators or by somebody, or are the teachers at Hudson pretty much on their own and they can do whatever they want until somebody complains? Well, I am a teacher by trade, so I do have experience in that field and not in the Hudson City School District, in a, in a neighboring district. And absolutely, there are um, oversights that should be in place, um, and there are in most districts. Uh, there are not, obviously, in Hudson, um, which we do have a group of uh, parents in Summit County kind of fighting for that in all of the local districts that don't have this oversight. And, you know, no, we don't expect the board 
members to each review every single book and every single item and every single lesson plan. But we do expect them to have people and processes in place to review all of this stuff. They to have oversight and to vet the materials before they're in the hands and eyes and ears of our kids. One would think that that would be the the case, uh, so that uh, you know teachers couldn't be doing these things without supervision, and kids wouldn't have to you know be exposed to them. And then, of course, we're, we find ourselves in the position we are now. So, apparently, supervision was not being done. Hence, the apology letter by the principal. But that wasn't good enough. You and other parents took it to the school board last night. Uh, before we get to the resolution of that, tell me the presentation. What did you and the other parents say to the school board members? Uh, well, there was a lot of issues that were spoken about last night. But um, pertaining to this issue, there were uh, two attorneys present that um, one attorney spoke and um, demanded that they stop the sexualization of our children Um the other attorney spoke and um, quoted the Ohio Revised Code laws regarding contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Were these attorneys' um, parents, Monica? I apologize. Were these attorneys' parents, or were they there on behalf of you and other parents? They one was a one was a parent of current students at the high school. The other one is a parent of former students at the high school. Got it. Okay, continue, um, please. Yeah. Then um, some a uh, couple of parents spoke and demanded um, basically transparency and, and alluded to some of the prompts, but and one or two of them were mentioned. Um, and again, all of our board members' faces were masked, so you can't you could not tell what was going on behind the, the mask. Of um, and then um, I actually uh, walked up for my turn to speak and read every single one of the prompts to uh, the board president, who is the only person, according to the Hudson Board of Education bylaws, that residents and are are permitted to address in a board meeting. Um, so I did address him and read them uh, out loud to him and demand that they step down and um, demanding that you know, the board members them... demanding that the board members themselves step down for this. Yes. Yeah, okay. they, they, this is unacceptable, and it happened on their watch. And ultimately, while I, like I said previously, you know, I don't expect them to be to be looking at every book and, and every single lesson plan, but the buck stops with the Board of Education. And when something like this happens, it's because they haven't done their job. And they are responsible for what is happening in our schools, and a, and a a student spoke last night and wept um, as she recounted a class that she had, a, a specific class where she was in another College Credit Plus class as a junior, and the teacher uh, showed them a rated R movie uh, with some pretty, she said, graphic sex scenes and children stripping on stage and dancing um, provocatively. Wow. And she said she asked if she could leave the classroom, and the teacher would not let her leave the classroom. So th- these how, teachers... Monica, how did, how did they reply? I know you said you couldn't see their faces because of the masking, but how did they respond, or how was your request that they step down received? Uh, Mr. Zorro, who is the president of the board, responded with, thank you for your comments. 
and Dave Zorro, that, that, Steve, is, that was it. Dave Zorro, Steve DeMauro, James Field, Alyssa Wright, and Tim Tobin are the five members of the Hudson School Board, just for those who do not know, who uh, who heard all of this last night. Um, tell me a little bit more, just briefly, about your daughter and her, and not, not personally, of course, but I mean, you said that she said the teacher doesn't already like me because I'm not a liberal. Um, is it your feeling that there may have been kids, whether they felt liked or not liked, didn't want to speak up about the inappropriate nature of these assignments simply because they would be bullied if they did, because they would be called, you know, names and, you know, goody goodies or whatever the case may be, but they did not want to cause waves because they would be, uh, you know, they would be the, the outcasts? Absolutely, 100%. I, I actually have a daughter that's a sophomore in college that graduated from Hudson as well, and she she would come home and you know talk about this and and mom it's so hard to to stand up for what i believe in because my teachers are going to give me bad grades and we would have discussions about it and and the teachers bully the kids now it's a handful of teachers it is not it is not the majority of teachers and i do believe that the majority of teachers in the Hudson City schools are fantastic um, but there is a handful of teachers that have gone rogue and have been unchecked uh, for at least six years that we know of um, and probably longer. And absolutely, these kids are scared to death to say anything that goes against the narrative of the teacher. Um, and I, I think they're finding their voice. I think I'm glad for that, that they are they're starting to find their voice and they're starting to recognize what's happening and and stand up for things, but they have been oppressed uh, for a very long time and they have been bullied. And Hudson has a bullying problem, big time. Yeah, which I don't think is unlike a lot of a lot of schools, public schools. And I will say this: I'm glad as you are that the kids are finding their voice, but they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't be exposed to this kind of thing and then have to tell the adults who are in charge what is appropriate Absolutely. and what is not for, for teenage kids to be told to do. Um, you know, it, it, real quick, you, you, uh, you didn't, your family isn't from Hudson, right? You moved to Hudson in large part because of the great reputation of the schools there. I think that's what you told me, right? Absolutely, yep. So, so what is your expectation couldn't have been this when your family moved to Hudson. You got this, you know, beacon of great, you know, public schooling, the straight A's across the board on the school state report card, the district report card. Um, pretty shocking, I guess, right? When you, uh, when you go there for the schools and this, this is what you find out is going on in those schools. Yes. Yes. I talked with my husband about this. You know, we've been talking about it, uh, for quite a while now. Um, you know, we are we aren't blameless in this as parents. Um, we moved here and we just trusted. We trusted that the board of education was was abiding by the oath that they took. We trusted that the teachers were doing what they, you know, said they were going to do. And and we we you know we were not active in paying attention to what was going on and and who we were voting for and if we were voting for board members and. And 
So we are partially to blame, and we we understand that now. And uh, listen, you know, I respect Monica. Mon- have- <laughs> Monica, I I respect you and your husband for you know saying, hey, you know, we weren't paying attention either. We're not blameless here, but I think you are because I think most parents feel like they can trust their schools, particularly schools with a great reputation like this. And it's only after you uncover something like this. Now, if you do nothing. Now with the the other parents at Hudson, and now with parents in other districts aren't looking very closely and asking their kids, let me see your lessons, let me see your assignments, let me see your prompts, let me see your textbooks, etc., then they would be should share some of the blame if things like this continue. But when you don't know what's going yeah. on at the first, I, I, I certainly, uh, like I said, I commend you for taking the blame, part of the blame, but uh, I, I don't think it's deserved in this case. So I want to go back to the school board meeting last night, and I want to talk about the climactic moment of that meeting. But first, I'm going to take a time out here, uh, Monica. So we're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back, and we'll talk about what happened after the parents had their say and the school board members had their ears filled. Um, a pretty unique event happened, and we'll talk about that next with Monica Havens, a parent at Hudson High School on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 9.55. I've got about five minutes left with uh, Monica Haven. She's a parent of a 17-year-old student at uh, Hudson High School. Her student is in this English class uh, in which the teacher is using materials that have apparently been used in that school uh, for six years, unbeknownst to anybody. At least no one complained, and I guess that's why they figured it was probably okay to keep going. Now people have uh, found out what's going on and what the kids are being taught to do and write about. And last night it all hit the fan at the Hudson uh, School Board meeting. So, Monica, you and a bunch of other parents had your say. You filled the ears of the Hudson School Board members with your complaints and your concerns. And then a special uh, speaker uh, sat down to the microphone and had some words for the school board or for the school board members himself. I'm going to play those words right now, Monica, and I want you to react to them. My name is Craig Schubert, mayor of the city. It has come to my attention that your educators are distributing essentially what is child pornography in the classroom. I've spoken with Judge this evening. She's already confirmed that. So I'm going to give you a simple choice. If you choose to resign from this board, that you will be charged. Now, the uh, recording there was not the best because it was pretty far away from the speaker, even though they did have the PA system there. But Mayor Craig Schubert told the board members that he has spoken with a judge and your distribution of child, what is essentially child pornography is going to lead to one of two things. The board members are all going to resign or they're going to be charged. What is your reaction to that, Monica Havens? Frankly, we were in total shock. We had no idea um, that the mayor was going to be there. Um, and it was pretty profound. Um, I guess, uh, you know, it's, it's good to know that, that there are elected officials that recognize that this is a problem and just really proud and proud of our mayor and it, you know, for standing up for the, and doing the right thing and coming to the meeting and, um, Christina Rogner was there as well. I saw her there at the meeting. Um, so it, it's good to know that there are elected representatives that that will support us and and make sure that these board members are held accountable. 
Um, the board members which we named uh, before certainly are the the head of the school district. Um, you know, even the superintendent is hired by the board. Um, but does it does it need to skip over administrators? Does it need to skip over? I asked you earlier on about oversight. Um, I, I would think that there is some curricula specialist, if not a specialist in curricula, then uh, you know, a, a, a vice principal or the principal or somebody who had to be aware or should have been aware of what was being taught in these classrooms anyway. Why are we skipping over the assistant principal, the principal, or others in the administration and going right to the board? Well, I don't know that we're necessarily skipping over them, um, but like I said earlier, um, the the buck stops with the board. So I think maybe we're starting with the board. Um, and, you know, obviously we, we're, we have to go, we're going to go file charges um, to the, at the district attorney's office. And, you know, Bob, we're just regular everyday citizens. So we haven't been through this process before. Um, you know, well, we're to, kind to of be going clear, Monica, To be clear, I hope you didn't take that as as in uh, why are you doing? I was more kind of thinking about oh, no. what the mayor said here when he said, "Well, I want the board all to resign." And I'm wondering, is the mayor or others who are going to try to rectify the situation going to go to the principal, going to go to the superintendent, and hold them accountable as well? Because I kind of feel like, as a board member, and the teachers. And the teacher herself or himself, I don't even know if it's male or female, it doesn't matter. We ought to be able to name them. It's a public school uh, paid by the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. But but at any rate, the teacher and the people in the building, I guess, is my point here. I'm not suggesting at all that the board members should be off the hook here, but they are kind of down the food chain a little bit. Uh, I don't know that board members necessarily are, are going to always be aware of what's in textbooks, but certainly the administrators ought to. Yeah, I believe our... Um assistant superintendent in charge of cur- curriculum is Doreen Osmond. Okay. Um, so I'm sure that, that, that she will be involved somehow. And, um, you know, Phil Herman, our superintendent, Brian Wilch is our school principal. And, you know, the teachers, there's actually two teachers that I'm aware of um, that use this book. Um, so I'm assuming that they will uh, be, you know, questioned. Now, interestingly, I did get an email or a text message from my daughter who was in English class this morning. Um, she texted me and said, Mom, uh, Mrs. Hannon would like you want my book turned in right away. So I need to bring it back to school. Um, well, hopefully, to not until you make, ho- hopefully not until you make a whole <laughs> bunch of photocopies. <laughs> to which I replied, laugh out loud, tell Mrs. Hannon to give me a call. Um so, but again, you know, I'm going to touch base with her and make sure that there was nothing that made her feel uncomfortable um, in that exchange because I don't trust these teachers. And, you know, trust is gone with this, this current administration and the Board of Education and, you know, a lot of these rogue teachers. And, you know, if you don't have trust uh, amongst your citizenry, then there's a big problem with the school district. So, you're you know, 100%, we, you're 100% we have... correct. You know, parents turn their kids over for seven, eight hours a day in some circumstances to, to um, you know, what essentially are, are caretakers, not just instructors, but caretakers. And that means they're there to protect the kids, uh, not endanger them. And the kinds of lessons that they were being taught or asked to write about uh, are destructive to kids. And that means uh, you have a legitimate reason to be concerned about them, and they have a legitimate reason uh, to respect your views and your rights uh, as parents. 
as to what they fill your kids' heads with. Uh, Monica Havens, concerned parent among many in Hudson schools. I really appreciate you coming on to shine a spotlight on this. Our kids all over America, and I know this is a big picture that's not necessarily, you know, for you, but all over this country, uh, curricula in schools is a big issue. What they are doing to over-sexualize our kids, to teach our kids about, uh, you know, race, racial issues, teaching them to hate one another, and so on and so forth. Um, it's a very dangerous thing. So anytime this kind of thing happens locally, we are glad to hear about it. We want everybody to know about it so that we can affect some change as well. So I really appreciate you bringing this to our attention. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Please keep us posted as to the progress and uh, give our very best to your daughter. Thank you so much. Thank you. Monica Havens joining us. We'll take a time out for news now. Kirsten, on next. I'd rather be there, so-